morning, everybody. Once upon a midnight period, what was something in my head? I couldn't escape the memory of a phone call and of what you said. Like a game show, just a way the parting gift. I cannot believe Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Welcome to episode number 216 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, you, me, and all the chat will be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day, and I'll be providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, so what can you do with this information to reduce risk for your organization. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get asked, how do you stay current? And guess what? This is a pretty solid answer. I do this, uh, I digest, I get context. It's perfect. <clears throat> I want to give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, Sponsors Barricade Cyber Solution. Listen, y'all, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Guys, Eric Taylor runs that company. Solid, solid practitioner. He's got his calendar right on the front page of barricadecyber.com. You could set up an appointment on his schedule, have a conversation, and figure out how Barricade Cyber can help you if you get punched in the mouth by ransomware. Also want to throw some love at Recon Infosec. Recon Infosec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. Their MDR, or Managed Detection and Response Service, includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and, um, and customers can gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC team. So, MDR, Managed Detection and Response, it's like basically an outsourced um, uh, SecOps capability, or blue team, Barricade Cyber, Incident response, ransomware, in your face. They're dealing with the threat actors. They're handling the uh, the payments, the Bitcoin transactions, all that. So consider both of those um, as service benefits to your organization. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So that stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up in chat. I see plenty of you saying what's up in chat. Hashtag team live if you're not sure what to say. But just say what's up. And it's basically like saying here and, you know, <laughs> you got roll call. So if you ever get audited, you can be like, what's up? It's right there in every episode. Come back to me when you uh, have a problem. If you are live, love it. I see 75 of you in here right now. Thanks so much for spending your Tuesday 10 a.m. with me. If you're watching on replay, which many do on the Tuesday, Thursdays, hashtag team replay in comments. Thanks for catching the stream. Make sure to drop a comment, though, just so you have that auditable track record. Now, if you're watching on replay or listening on your audio podcast app of choice, you have the ability to do time travel. So you can just skip ahead, which I know a couple people in comments I was reading yesterday uh, want to do. They are not here for the bandian about in the jewelry um, at the beginning at the end they just want the hot takes and that's cool i'm an equal opportunity cybersecurity uh, stream content creator so you get yours whatever you make you most comfortable but for the next two minutes or so 
I'm going to be pushing the script to the side and saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are to my friends and Simply Cyber chat community. Good morning, IT Sorceress. Hey, Ender Lionheart. Good to see you, Brandon Corbin. I see LinkedIn people up in here. I see YouTube up in here. Courtney Wright, solid. Got the, the chill glasses with the uh, starry face. I like that. Hey, Jamie J, good to see you, Team Live. Got a little sublime. Here we go. Good morning, Carrie. Hey, Pamela, I saw you in there at the beginning, uh, right before I started reading. Hey, Lego Security. Kimberly can fix it. Kimberly, I'll be seeing you tomorrow as we uh, embark on Deadwood. Straight cash, homie, Kimberly. Uh, I'll have to be. Uh, I'll have to be saying it manually for you guys. Just a reminder: I will be out Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but the show must go on. My good friend and CEO of Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor, will be manning the desk Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. All the shows are scheduled and um, you know available at simplycyber.io/streams. So don't miss a beat. We won't stop skipping. He'll do episode 217, 218, 219. Genuinely appreciate it, Eric Taylor. What's up, Dr. Osher and Simply Cyber Peeps? Glad to be mailing out the live show today. Thanks, Jim Wales. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Joshua. Guys, I made a conscious effort a couple months ago to be like, you know what? I'm taking control. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now of the music on this show. So I basically... Uh, just think about how I feel. Think about it's maybe it's Tuesday, Tuesday morning, right? I was going to come in hard with um, Gangstar. If you guys know Gangstar, DJ Premier and Guru. Uh, and I thought, you know what? It's 10 o'clock. People are already into the workday. Maybe we don't go full ham with Gangstar and we, we go with just a little blues travel. You know what I'm saying? No problem, Munchkin. Hope you're feeling better. All right. Let me take one sip of coffee and then we're going to get right into the news. Thanks for the love on the on the music, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. Guys, I don't know if you guys caught it yesterday, but from four to five PM yesterday afternoon, I played Let's I played World of Haiku, kind of let's play style. Chat was there. I was playing music, getting really feeling myself, doing some John the Ripper in the dojo, completing a blue team mission. The game's a lot of fun. If you have World of Haiku, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, it's worth checking out. I do play it every other Monday on stream. Uh, it's basically the the maximum amount I can play on stream. I'm I'm, I'm pretty busy guy. Uh, did teach today at the Citadel, talking about finishing up the module on industrial espionage. All right, guys, let's get into the news. Thank you so much, Sublime, for uh, entertaining us. Looks like Sublime's got ten more seconds on this song, and then we're gonna go into it. Gangstar for the listening party, exactly. All right, guys. Stay tuned. Let's go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Finger heat can leak your password. Researchers at the University of Glasgow's School of Computing Sciences developed a system called ThermoSecure, designed to reveal a computer's password with heat signatures. It uses cheap consumer thermal imaging cameras with a machine learning algorithm to look at a keyboard or touchscreen to reveal recent key presses. The researchers previously found that humans were fairly accurate at guessing passwords based on thermal signatures, but using algorithms could achieve up to 86% accuracy if captured within 20 seconds of input. This fell to 76% accuracy after 30 seconds and 62% after 60 seconds. 
Shorter passwords were even easier to guess, with six or less characters guessed 100% of the time, making it an ideal way to steal a pin. The researcher said longer passwords would be the most effective mitigation. Okay. I could have told you, I could have told you just by the title, okay, that this was academic research. I, I'm not saying it's not valuable, but I feel like academic research always does these like novel kind of attack techniques, like being able to use an LED through a window, through an office building to transmit at like two bits per second, a password or data, right? Like, yes, it's feasible, it's possible, but in practicality, you know, I don't think, you know, wizard spider is going to be adding thermal attacks to their arsenal of TTPs. Now, having said that, I do appreciate the novel technique. I do uh, obviously, guys, I have a special place in my heart for higher education academic research. I've done some myself. I've been required to. So I'm not poo-pooing on this. Uh, but it, it is cool. It is interesting. Um, here's my thing, though. If you're, gonna, um, if you're going to use this technique, which will, would look great in a Hollywood movie, um, you have a camera on it already. You know what I mean? Like, why not just record the keystrokes anyways from the camera angle? Uh, unless the idea is that the person taps in the password and then they leave and then you come up and look at it through thermal imaging and you're able to steal the the, the pin and stuff then. Okay, I kind of get that. I could see it being used at an ATM where um, you're, you need to get the pin and you're going to steal it that way. But again, at that point, you'd have to have like a um, their card cloned. You'd have to be doing a lot of stuff. Um, I just... I'm not sure the practical implications of this. It's it's very interesting. You can see in the graphic here that obviously this key right here was touched. The shift key was touched here. Uh, looks like the enter, the space bar, obviously the the one and this is probably the, I don't know, F12 or something down here. So interesting. I, I am kind of curious. I guess you could read the paper on it on how long that, that thermal heat signature stays there. Obviously, the second you move your hand, it's going to move. Uh, kind of clever, but... You know, I feel like this would have been in um, like National Treasure 3 with Nicolas Cage, right? Like some attack. So cool academic research. I'm not 100% sure of the practical application uh, being rolled out mainstream. U.S. airport sites targeted by Killnet. The pro-Russian threat group claimed it orchestrated large-scale DDoS attacks against the websites of several major U.S. airports. This intermittently took several sites offline, including those for Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International, LAX, and Chicago O'Hare, preventing travelers from accessing airport services or getting flight information. The DDoS did not impact actual flights. This follows Killnet's recent expansion into targeting U.S. organizations. Last week, it ran DDoS campaigns against government sites in Colorado, Kentucky, and Mississippi. Okay, so Killnet's doing denial of service attacks. They're a pro-Russian gang. Um, they basically, they, ugh, what the hell? Ah. They basically attacked major airports, websites in the United States. Okay. So just the website, it doesn't even have to be hosted at the airport. It could be hosted by some third party provider or something like that. Now, obviously the airport websites typically have integrations into, um, the different airline, uh, airlines in order to be able to pull like um, records of like flights arriving, arrival times, what gate, where's the baggage claim? Um, you know, is the, is the, is it open? Whatever. So there is some of that. So this is inconvenient, but realistically, man, if like 
honestly, like I'm just thinking about myself. If I, I'm flying to Deadwood tomorrow. If I go to like Rapid City website for the airport and like it's down, I'm just going to go to like delta.com and look at my flight. You know what I mean? Like, it, like the impact is low as far as like denial of service and preventing me from accessing what I need to do. It does introduce a little bit of fear, right? I mean, obviously you and I know the difference between a web server and like my flight being hacked, but people who are less technical could be concerned like, oh my God, the, the, the airport website's down. Does that mean that the air, the airport is being attacked and like my, by extension, my flight is attacked. So I could see some fear mongering that way. But, you know, for the most part, this is more of just kind of a, an, an irritation, sand in your, in your swimsuit at the beach. It's, it's inconvenient, obviously, but it looks like they were able to get back up. Um, and Killnet obviously has access to a pretty powerful, um, a pretty powerful botnet in order to pull down some of these uh, sites, especially if they're pulling down all these at the same time, right? That means for each one of these, you're diversifying your attack, right? Your attack um, portfolio. So it's not like 500,000 bots are attacking Indianapolis airport all at once. It's like some portion is attacking that, some portion is doing DS merit port, et cetera. So, you know, I don't know what their end goal was other than to kind of flex and, and, and scare people. Intel confirms Eufy leak. Over the weekend, several outlets reported the source code for Intel Alder Lake Eufy images leaked on GitHub and 4chan. These leaks contain about 6 gigabytes of files for tools to build and optimize Eufy deployments. Intel confirmed the source code leak as legitimate. It said it did not believe this exposed any new security vulnerabilities. Trying to turn lemons into lemonade, it also encouraged researchers to submit any potential vulnerabilities in the code to its project circuit breaker bug bounty program. Okay. Smart. Um, I mean, the fact, okay, so basically proprietary code got leaked on GitHub and 4chan. All right. So this Intel's Alder Lake BIOS code is now out there. So any type of vulnerability um, could be discovered. You know, I, I think it's funny that Intel announced that um, there's no, um, there's no known leaks right now, but like, obviously like how hard were you looking for security vulnerabilities in your source code. I, I wonder, right? So that's kind of a, it's kind of a loaded spin statement by the PR people doing crisis management. I do appreciate that Intel asked the community to basically turn it into a bug bounty. That's probably the best bet as far as mitigating um, the damage of security uh, vulnerabilities being discovered. I mean, at this point, Intel's competitors, right? Like let's say AMD, for example, like they, they got access to that source code too. So the competitive advantage Intel had by having that source code proprietary and, and kind of close to the vest is gone. That's gone. So now it's more about damage control, in my opinion, for Intel and, you know, doing the bug bounty. I, I love bug bounty. I think bug bounty is such a great concept. Um, it's a win for um, the business and it's, you know, it's a win because it kind of opens it to the security research marketplace. So anyways, be mindful of that. If you, I don't even know where the Alder Lake BIOS is installed, right? Maybe I could go look in chat and see if you guys know, but I haven't heard, I haven't heard of this BIOS being deployed anywhere. I haven't heard people talking about it. Dutch court rules on webcam surveillance. The Florida-based firm Chitu required a telemarketer in the Netherlands to keep his webcam on for nine hours straight as part of attending a virtual classroom event. 
The employee refused, saying it felt like an invasion of privacy and unnecessary since the company also monitored his screen during the event. He was subsequently fired for refusal to work. A Dutch court ruled this constituted wrongful termination as instructions to keep the webcam turned on is in conflict with the respect of the privacy of the workers. It also suggested it violated the Convention for the Protection of Human Rights and Fundamental Freedoms. The court fined the firm $50,000, ordered it to pay back wages, and remove a non-compete clause. Okay, so suck it. Um, you know, when big when big tech or, or, you know, faceless conglomerate tries to muscle the little guy here, um, you know, basically lashes back and the little guy in this case wins. Now, the whole deal here is that the individual felt like it was an invasion of privacy to have a webcam on them the whole time, which I agree 100%. You don't know who's looking at the webcam. And it's not like you're like naked or something or, or you know, you got something private going on, but it's just, it's just, the pure like privacy there's no reason for you to have the webcam on especially if they're monitoring your screen uh i'm sure that the company's like oh like you could you could just do a mouse jiggler and go to sleep and you wouldn't know one way or the other but i appreciate that i'm not surprised that in europe europe takes uh privacy a lot more i guess individual privacy a lot more seriously so uh kind of cool the one thing here is though like the guy got ordered to pay back pay so whatever he lost, um, and the non-compete has been removed, uh, so he can go get a job. Although I find it, I find it super mean of the company to force a non-compete on the individual that he couldn't go get a job with the skills that he has. Um, you know what I mean? Like they're basically abusing him or exploiting him. Um, but he didn't get his job back. Not that he would go work with them, and they had to pay fifty thousand dollar fine. Like again. Guys, fifty thousand um, dollars. What? What? I mean, unless this is a tiny company, I mean, fifty grand is like, eh, whatever. Um, glad the guy. Glad the guy fought back. Um, it does set a precedent too, by the way, um, that employees are not required to turn on their webcam. Um, so you know what I mean. Like, if other companies are doing this now, you have uh, legal precedent to say, look at this happened. I'm not turning my webcam on either. It's so, it's so ridiculous, man. It's so ridiculous. I have, I've been, whatever. I have thoughts about why big business is requiring people to go back to work and why um, they want the um, webcams and, and more importantly, the screen uh, recorded and all that. I, I have major thoughts that go way beyond uh, side hustle and stuff like that. And now thanks to this week's episode sponsor, No Name Security. Prevent API attacks in real time with automated AI and ML-based detection from no-name security. Monitor API traffic for data leakage, data tampering, data policy violations, suspicious behavior, and API security attacks. Integrate with your existing IT workflow management system like Jira, ServiceNow, or Slack for seamless remediation. Learn more at nonamesecurity.com slash runtime dash protection. All right, thank you, CISO Series. Until further notice, this is our official mid-roll song. I love it. I love it. All right, guys, it's the mid-roll, so I just want to say thank you, everybody who's here. Genuinely appreciate the support the community puts together. Love seeing the chat. Love seeing all the support that each of you deliver to each other. It makes the network of Simply Cyber incredibly, incredibly um, just a really positive 
experience for anyone that's new here. They can immediately start getting value and start uh, helping themselves. And I love it. Thank you so much, Team Live. I do want to, and Team Replay, I do want to remind everybody, if you did not know, um, I'm making a concerted effort to be on the Twitters, do things on the Twitters. My handle is at Gerald underscore Osier. Uh, I'll be posting a ton of stuff there from Deadwood. There's going to be a lot of photos, a lot of meetups, high fives, uh, you know, security con stuff. And uh, I'll be posting it here. So uh, I'd, I'd ask you if you're interested in that type of content to head on over to Twitter and consider giving it uh, a follow or a like or whatever it is. And also, if you want the newsletter that I deliver every Monday, which... Um, which has three actionable pieces of intel. It's like a 90-second read email, and you can instantly start reducing risk for your organization. Just click on this thing, drop your email in it. You can unsubscribe easily. I'm not some psychopath. Um, and, you know, just continue kicking major. All right? That's, that's what we're doing over here. So if you're into kicking <laughs> cyber butt, uh, consider giving it a, a little looky-looky, okay? All right, let's hop on over back to the podcast. Thank you, Simple Minds. Love the 80s. Celsius bankruptcy leaks user data. With the Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing of crypto lender Celsius Networks, it published lending information on its users. This includes names, wallet IDs, transaction types, and tokens held. While this information technically resides behind the paywall of the court's PACER system, Anyone can pay the fee to view the documents, making the information entirely in the public record. Now someone made it even easier to look through the data, putting together a searchable database at CelsiusNetWorth.com. It also maintains a leaderboard of people who lost the most money with the collapse of Celsius, all with losses over $12 million. Henry David Lance of Penumbria Labs notes that anyone can now dox all the on-chain activity and addresses of any named Celsius user by matching dates and amounts to transaction data. Yep. Sure. Okay, so really quick, uh, Finfrock. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right, so real quick, if you guys don't know, Celsius was one of these um, crypto platforms that was going to revolutionize finance. And basically, um, their whole shtick was like, don't trust banks. Banks are not your friend. Um, they were going to be basically a bank uh, without any of the regulatory oversight that banks have. So that's convenient for you. Um, the Celsius has collapsed. It's also come out. This isn't what the story is about, but the CEO, Alex Machinsky, uh, and his wife, um, it's come out that, and it was in the bankruptcy filing, that he basically withdrew uh, $10 million uh, and, then <laughs> and then took out some more money. And then his wife took out some money. Uh, Coffeezilla on YouTube has done a fantastic job of covering this particular case. The important part is that Alex Machinsky... Um, took this money out on say, like, I got the dates wrong, but like, let's say June 1st. And then on June 2nd is, you know, doing news briefings or interviews talking about how he's holding his money in there and that no one should take their money out and everything like that. And the idea is it's so, um, people who know what's going on can get their money. So not a good situation. This story basically is saying that because of the court filings, everybody that has been impacted, um, is in the court filings, right? I don't know if there's a class action lawsuit pending or something like that, 
But long story short, someone wrote a tool that allows you to look it up and kind of dox or, or identify who the human is behind the losses. And unfortunately, this is probably the most um, apropos uh, graphic I've seen on one of these stories because essentially there's a leaderboard to show you who has lost the most in Celsius, uh, which totally sucks, man. There's a lot of people, not just Celsius, but there's a lot of people, guys, who like, you know, bought the hype and, and you know, leveraged their house or cashed in their 401k or, or, or did all sorts of things and are um, in a real financial ruin now because of it. So stay close on this story. This uh, Mashinsky dude, uh, he is definitely being, um, being, <laughs> being held accountable. Uh, here's another guy, the chief strategy officer, which drew $7 million before it shut down. Uh, so the people at the top somehow got their money out. Plus, I just want to point out, like, it sucks that the people who are being covered in this are the, you know, quote unquote, the biggest losers. But it just goes to show you how creative people in our communities are to make a tool that allows you to kind of look it up and then or sort them by biggest losses and stuff like that. Germany to fire cybersecurity chief. German media's government sources say German Interior Minister Nancy Faeser will dismiss Arn Schoenbaum, the president of the BSI Federal Information Security Agency. Sources say possible contact with Russian security services spurred the need for his departure. Schoenbaum founded the Cybersecurity Council of Germany. One member includes a German company that operates as a subsidiary of a Russian cybersecurity firm founded by a former KGB member. No word from the Interior Ministry or BSI on the report. Oh. Okay. So basically, uh, what I would consider this is a conflict of interest. They're not saying, um, this guy kind of looks like a, um, like a thicker version of red from that 70s show. Doesn't he? It's kind of, I guess the glasses and the bald head, but anyways, um, basically this guy is being relieved of duty. He's in a public, um, he's in a public role in Germany as um, you know, in charge of cybersecurity, but he has relations with uh, Russian former KGB members. So that doesn't mean that the association is nefarious. It doesn't mean that he's like leaking secrets to Russia. It doesn't mean anything. I think what they're saying is that whoever his boss is believes that it's a conflict of interest enough or that it, ca it casts judgment on his ability to be able to think impartially that it's a risk. And one way to handle insider threat risks is to remove the insider. And here we go. <laughs> so this guy totally sucks uh, for him. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. This just furthers the, um, the idea of this kind of polarization of what's going on in our global economy. Like for the last 20 years, it's been like kumbaya and everybody's like, you know, holding hands and doing everything. And now it's very much like, them and us, right? And because Germany is a member of NATO and, and Russia is, you know, attacking Ukraine and making these decisions, NATO's not happy about that. So now it's like us and them. And now it's like, oh, you have relations to them. You're not going to be part of us in any kind of meaningful uh, strategic level of responsibility. So again, we're just kind of seeing this it's like, it's not going to happen instantly. It's like turning a cruise ship around, but there's like this kind of decoupling and, and, and like not lines being drawn, but like decisions are being made based on potential 
of who you are aligned with and who you're affiliated with, um, etc. Iranian protesters hack into state TV. Over the weekend, a TV news bulletin on Iran's state TV was interrupted by a group called Adalat Ali, showing images of Iran's supreme leader with a target on his head, as well as images of women killed in recent protests over the death of Masa Amini while in police custody. The interruption only lasted a few seconds, but also displayed the text, Join us and rise up. It's not clear how the protesters obtained access to the state TV feed. This follows weeks of unprecedented protests across the country. If you're watching on stream, you can see the actual footage of the hacked broadcast and it cuts back to the reporter and he's just kind of trying to handle it in real time. Um, this all has to do with what's going on in Iran. This is as, as, as definitive a hacktivist attack as you're going to get. Um, they interrupt Iran state run broadcast to have this, um, this, you know, uh, basically call to action. Uh, they've got social medias here, including the telegram for coordination that this is pretty huge. This guy right here is like this, the, 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 the most powerful person in Iran, as far as my understanding goes and to put a target on his head, that's pretty definitive on what they're suggesting here. They also have him on fire. Um, you could see here that they have these four women. It's kind of covered up by the, uh, the, the, the timeline thing here, but, um, I'm not 100% sure if these women have died, but there are major, there's a major revolution going on or protests going on in Iran right now around um, women's rights and just the way the culture is over there. And 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 women are, are uh, well, not just women, but people are protesting and really taking huge chances. It's, it's, it's um, dangerous to protest if, you know, in, in this situation, but I guess people have had enough. This is hacktivism at its finest, hacking the TV station. This is like a 90s level hack. But you know what? I bet you there were a lot of people, a lot of people watching that feed when that happened. Fake ransomware, actually a data wiper. The threat intelligence firm Cybel reports on a campaign of malicious websites that seemingly offer adult content. This would prompt a download of an executable with .jpg in the name. This would appear like an image file extension in the downloads folder. Since Windows disables files extension by default, you wouldn't see the .exe. Opening it drops four new executables, which ultimately serve to batch rename all files to some version of lock underscore number dot file. Files aren't modified or encrypted, just renamed. Another executable drops a ransom note asking for $300 in Bitcoin. The researchers also found that the fake ransomware actually tries to delete all system drives, but currently doesn't work due to a typo. Even if not successful, the malware offers no way to change file names back, which will likely lead to significant data loss anyway. <laughs> Remember, we've got another great episode. All right, all right, all right. So that, so first of all, as much as I liked this graphic right here for being, um, I think I said apropos of, of the situation, this one is ridiculous. Come on, man. Come on. He's got a sledgehammer. That's not even a Guy Fox mask. The hoodie is a, a bit overdone. Like, this is... This, this is, uh, boo, <laughs> you know, uh, throw that graphic out the window. Okay. So check it out. Adult, uh, fishing, uh, adult website, uh, meaning porn, essentially offering free nude photos. The websites are nude-girlsmywire.org, like sexyphotoscowzow.com. I don't know who's going to these websites. I don't know who's downloading them. 
Uh, but one interesting thing, this is an attack technique. So if you're uh, new to the industry or whatever, this is something you can kind of, a, a little nugget you can file away and bust out in an interview. But essentially, EXE is an executable, right? That's like a binary or a Windows application. By doing sexyphotos.jpg, which is an image file, .exe, when the Windows File Explorer system looks at that photo, you can have it configured, and I think it's by default, that it won't show the executable file extension. It'll just say sexyphotos.jpg. Because .jpg, like this is the file name. The .jpg is part of the file name. This is the file extension, okay? But if you look quickly, everybody knows a JPEG is a picture. So you look quickly and you're like, oh, that's a sexy photo JPEG file. I'm going to look at it, okay? So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trick, right? It's a social engineering trick. I mean, it's a technical execution, but it's a social engineering trick because you think you're looking at a JPEG file and in reality, you're running an executable. Now, and that's the that's the takeaway on that little nugget of knowledge, right? Is that that's how you could hide a file and get someone to run it. Now, what I think is dumb. Um, hold on, oh, I've been I've been sitting on this sound effect for a while. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. Why Why would you disguise the data wiper as ransomware? They're both malware. Like someone's gonna be like, oh, I was gonna run this. I was gonna run this ransomware on my box, but if it's a wiper, forget about it. I'm not, no, like no one's running anything. So like, why why would you hide it as a ransomware? Like maybe I read the story to get more context or maybe chats like you're missing an obvious thing, Jerry, but like, why would you hide it as ransomware if it's a data wiper? The I mean, I guess the only reason I can think of, because we've seen this in advanced sophisticated attacks like not Petya, is to make it look like, um, make it look like it's just ransomware so people begin responding as if it's ransomware and then the data wiping happens i guess i just don't get why you would disguise it it seems stupid um also worth noting that we've seen threat uh ransomware threat actor groups recently adapt to just doing data exfiltration and then wiping the data because it's faster to wipe the data than it is to encrypt it and since organizations are let are, are paying the ransom less often now there's a percentage decrease in number of orgs paying the ransom that they just figured what the hell i'll just exfil data and sell it back to you or sell it to your competitors either way i'm getting paid and i don't have to deal with keys and negotiation and all that other crap i'll just wipe your data so maybe that's the deal um anyways i will say here you can see that chrome is pretty decent at blocking uh malware it's not perfect but you know, it's it does have some level of security for you to to mess around with. Okay, and then you can see the sexy photos inside the execute. For some reason, the executable will create um, four different executables underneath it. I don't know if this is like an archive that you expand, or if the executable just dynamically builds these new executables. That's that's whatever. That's just a thing. Um, and then obviously you can see. These are a little bit of like indicators of compromise if you want to get in on that. All right. Well, that is, that's us uh, for today. Let me go ahead and get some, uh, some music for us. All right, guys. I've been, I've been running through the stories. This is the second day in a row that we have actually finished a couple minutes early. I think it's because I'm doing less tomfoolery at the beginning of the show and the mid rolls. Uh, there's like less stuff for me to share or tell you about so we spend less time doing it 
But that's okay. That's what it's all about. If you were here for just the news, thank you very much. The news portion of the segment has ended, so feel free to boogie out of here if you got stuff to do. I'm going to spend a few minutes talking with everybody simply because I'm going, I'm going dark for the next three days, and I won't be able to do any of this, and I genuinely appreciate it. Let's see. William Ayers, good to see you. DJ Bsec. It's, it is not a busy news week, which is good. My pleasure, Jim Lund. Good to see you, Lego Security, Faith K. Um, I got some kind of fun news coming up, guys. I'm getting involved with a, a couple new projects. I can't really share them with you, but I will just say that I will be doing something with Lima Charlie at some point in the near future. So stay tuned. That's kind of like a little teaser. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Lima Charlie, I've been doing stuff with them kind of on and off for the last, I don't know, two years or so, but we're doing something a little bit bigger or I'm getting involved with something that they're doing a little bit bigger. Allison Van Stone shares a virustotal.com link. Virustotal is a really good resource. It's definitely worth bookmarking. Um, thanks so much, Will Reed, uh, for attending. Uh, virustotal.com is good. Uh, don't treat it as um, Bible, though. Virustotal gets things wrong regularly. All right, let's see. Nathan Bolin, my man, love the news. Team members from the work stop soon as well. Good stuff. Have a great Tuesday, everyone. Thank you, Jenny Housley. Thanks for the safe travels. I hope it's uh, seamless. You guys, here's something fun. You may not know me. I really don't like flying. I fly because I'm pragmatic and real, and I know that it's the optimal travel method, but I don't like it. Um, I'm very uncomfortable. I usually put on earpods and then just like hyper focus on not being in control <laughs> oh thank you so much carrie be safe joshua poppy and my man yeah virus total is definitely not 100 but there's other tools out there i actually just if you follow me on twitter you know i just released um, a couple tweets around tools that sock analysts can use virus total was in there but there's some other gems in there that you can leverage thanks jared pierpoint Oh, uh, yeah, Jeff Fuller. There's a lot of FOMO going on for Wild West Hackenfest. It's going to be a good time. I can't I can't wait. Yep, yep. I've got noise-canceling headphones. Oh, Michelle Dane. Yeah, if you could fly for me, I would absolutely... I would step aside and let you get on the plane for me a hundred times out of a hundred. All right, let's say have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, let's do this one. Yeah, let's do it. Nice groove song to kind of head on out of here. Hey, how can you get involved with the helping of the new GRC masterclass? Uh, nothing. Just, you know, if students ask questions, you know, help them out. But Jerry's a blogger. Okay. To use to start out for a blog. Yeah. Any blogging platform's fine. Medium is a popular one that people use. Uh, blogger sign. I don't know its functionality, but um, if you, you know, with anything, whether it's blogging, whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn, consistency is the deal, right? So, you know, a lot of people get amped up and excited and they're like, I'm going to do like one post a day. Rawr! And then it's like after five days, you're like, oh my God, like I'm burnt out. Like it's a lot of work coming up with new content and stuff like that. But if you say like every Monday, I'm going to release a, a post like I did with the YouTube videos for two years. Every Monday I posted, right? Um, it's much more realistic. You can do higher quality posts. You can actually tell people about the post. You can start uh, communication and stuff like that. Uh, brightcloud.com, 
Jaya Krishnan, I'm I'm not familiar with. I can't speak to that. I haven't I haven't been um, involved with that one. Following Simply Cyber the past three months, great information. Thank you, random LinkedIn user. Let me give you a little. I appreciate that. I do make I do try to deliver value and help people. That's the goal. My talk at Wild West Hackenfest, by the way, is day in the life of a GRC analyst, uh, which I have quite an extensive bit of experience with. So I'll be delivering that. And if it's recorded, I will make it available to you all. And if it's not recorded, uh, maybe I'll do the talk again for the stream. Yes, I saw Aaron Aaron um, KG doing a 100-day InfoSec challenge. Love that. Uh, guys, if you're not familiar with that, it's doing one cybersecurity thing a day, I'm pretty sure, and then posting about it and you know doing day seven of 100, day 10 of 100. It really holds you accountable and makes you follow up you know what i mean oh yeah dan reardon it'd be cool it'd be cool if you're going to wild west hack and fest i know you know the whole tcm security team is going to be there uh neil bridge is going to be there josh mason uh kimberly like a lot of people are going to be there that um you know some i've met in person some i haven't met but i'm looking forward to it uh so if you are going to be there and you you see me um say hi you know please Oh, Dan Catledge with the win. Dan Catledge with the sec plus win. You're welcome. If I was involved in any way, I'm, I'm genuinely appreciative uh, at the opportunity to serve. I know. I know. I haven't even thought. I haven't looked at weather reports. I haven't packed a single thing. I've got some serious uh, crap I got to. In fact, I'll be, you know, really transparent with you guys. I, I, I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning with a little bit of stress. I didn't sleep well last night because... Uh, I got a lot to do um, and get kind of sorted out before the um, before I leave tomorrow. Got to connect with Eric Taylor, make sure that everything's good to go. Yeah, it's going to be cold. I heard that. So I'm going to, I got to pack accordingly. I got to look into that. Good luck, Chair Jarrett Pierpoint. You got the sec plus, man. Let us know on Monday, would you, if you, if you would? Yeah. Casually Joseph's asking about B-Sides Charleston. I will be there. It's at Folly Beach this year instead of Charleston, but that's fine. I'll be there. Lima Charlie team is going to be there as well. No, 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 no connection. Just saying. All right, guys. I think we're doing good here. Yeah, if it's 30 degree weather, I'm not running. I don't want to like breathe in ice. Uh, that would hurt. I'm not, I'm not into that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much. Be safe, everybody. Have fun. I will see you. I might do a stream on Thursday. I have it scheduled. I'm bringing my gear out there, but I don't know what's going to go on. So we'll see. At worst, the next time some of you will see me will be next Monday, 8 a.m. But I hope to see some of you sooner than that. I hope to meet you in person if you're going to be out there. Be good, everyone. Thank you so much. And until next time.